But the hope of my message today is that you'd understand why. Because I actually believe that if you understand why, you'll love what so much better. That if we actually get the why behind what we do, it will change your thinking. I actually believe in life in general, we need to have a why. And maybe you've been, got, you've, uh, been caught up in what so long, you forgot why. Maybe you're here and you're wondering that. And I know it's okay to wonder what is going on. We, we have a saying that we would use all the time, WWJD, what would Jesus do? If he was in an argument with a friend or a spouse or whoever, what would Jesus do? And sometimes you're like, I'm not Jesus. I mess up. I've had issues before. What would Jesus do with everything that's happening in the world right now? I, I know he'd be okay with it, but on the inside, maybe I'm a little unsettled. What would Jesus do if he was dealing with a lack of purpose, wondering, how do I fit in? How do I make a difference? Because where I'm at right now doesn't feel like it. Some of us are asking what, but I really believe we need to be asking why. And maybe you've asked this question before, maybe not, but you've ever wondered, what does Jesus do besides pray when he just needs a break? And I want to show you what would Jesus do if he needed a little break on this short clip. Check this out on the screen. I've been teaching the disciples all week. It's nice to actually take a break and have a little fun. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, maybe you haven't wondered that, but that's funny. Like, that's just... That's just a funny video, but this is what I truly believe about what. I believe the whys in our life will influence the what. That if we take the whys of our life seriously, what happens, whatever happens in your life, will become more manageable and maybe even more rooted in a good why. But I want to clarify, I do not, I'm not here preaching a message that says what doesn't matter. I'm not telling you to not ask the question what, because when someone is ready to collect my taxes and tells me all the paperwork I need to fill out, I don't really need to know why, right? I, I just need to know what I need to sign so that you can do the job that you have been assigned. I, when my baby is teething, y'all, I don't need you to tell me why my baby's teething. I just need to know what I need to do in this moment right now so that she goes back to sleep. I don't know if anybody else is feeling it, but I'd like my sleep, right? I'm not saying what is bad, but I'm saying more than you realize there is a lot of people who have forgotten their why. Or it's just been a while since you've revisited it. So my hope for you today is that we would figure out together to find or reclaim our why. Not just what we do, not just what we do is go to church or what we do is go to small group or what we do is stay in the marriage, but why? Why do we do these things? And if you're taking notes, I'd love for you to title this message, WWYD. Now what would you do? but why would you do? Why would you do? And you can look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, go ahead, it's church, you can talk to him. Say, neighbor, I've been wondering that for a long time. And you can look at your other neighbor and you say, I'll tell you my why later, later, right? <laughs> because I truly believe that it's better to have a why in life. I wrote it this way, that I believe that what we do is deeply influenced and refueled by the why we do it. I truly believe you will have a better what in life if you know why. And that's what I want to speak to you on. But I need you to understand this concept before we get into ideas of why Jesus, why us, and why myself. But the reality that we're facing today is we need a why that is rooted. I don't want a why that's changing with people's opinions or culture. I want a why that can withstand a storm. I want a why that sticks with me so that whatever is going on, I'm rooted. And what I truly believe is that we need to have 
a rooted why. Why do I say that? Because I believe this, and I'll share an example in just a second, that what you do is only as deep as your why. That what you do is only as deeply rooted as your why. What do you mean by that, JT? This is what I mean. If why you're married is for money, what happens when there is none? If why you go to church is because your parents went to church, then what happens when they stop going? You've got to establish a why. Come on, somebody. I, I need you to understand, what, if your why is I worship God because the music's right, the lights are good, and they play my favorite song, then what happens when it's not the song you prefer and you're listening to Echo and you're like, this isn't it for me and times aren't good? I'm not dissing Echo, I know some people in here love it, but I'm telling you, that's not my first song. But because my why is rooted in, because he's worthy, I don't care what you play. I know what I'm doing is lifting a hand, I'm praising my God, I'm believing because he's been faithful, I just want to give him love. That's my why, right? So we need to establish a why that's rooted, especially as it relates to something like a belief system. So I really believe that our why as Christians, or people who are considering Christianity, should be rooted in scripture or what Jesus calls himself, the word made flesh, Jesus Christ. That we should establish our why in one of these things, well, both one and the same in scripture and in Jesus. Why? So that whatever happens, whether it's people's opinions, whether it's culture changing and telling us what not to do or what to do, my why remains rooted in a thing that has not changed for over 2,000 years. It's been tried and true actually since the beginning of time. I've got a why that lasts, and I believe in my why, aka I wrote this down, trust the source. Would you trust the source of your why? Not because Facebook or TikTok told you to, not even because there's a pastor on stage telling you to do this, but you go back into your word, you read it on a Monday, you read it on a Tuesday, and you said, I've established my why in Jesus Christ. And listen, I hope you trust me. I, I don't take this lightly, but I also know that I'm not leaning on the tenure of 27 short years of life experience standing on here. I'm leaning on the tenure of a truth of God that has been tried and true for over 2,000 years. It doesn't matter what has come against it or up against it or has been debated. His word remains. So that's what I want you to root your why in. And that's what I'm trying to develop in this talk is simply that, that we would have a why that's rooted in the word of why we do things, but before we go any farther, I just wanna pray that God would help us establish a why. So if you bow your heads and pray with me, God, I thank you for what you've done in our lives. But God, help us to remember the why so that whatever season we may be in, God, I, I believe there's people in here that are hurting. I believe there's people that are in here that are full of joy, but everyone in between and even at the extremes, I pray you would root us in a why that says whatever comes, your foundation is firm and your truth remains. Jesus, we love you, and we thank you, and you can agree in Jesus' name, amen, and amen. First Peter talks about a why in verse, or chapter three, verse 15 and 18, and it says this, through thick and thin, keep your hearts at attention in adoration before Christ, your master. Be ready to speak up and tell anyone who asks you why you're living the way you are and always with utmost courtesy. We wanna tell people with love, right? We don't wanna just, this is why, I'll tell you right now, right? This is what it's saying, but here's how I believe we can establish this in kind of three quick points I wanna cover with you guys. I wanna talk about why he, why we, and why me. 
Why he, why me, and why we? And it will make sense with the points to follow. But number one, if you're taking notes, is this. Write it down. WWJD. Now, what would Jesus do? Why? Why would Jesus do? Why would he heal? Why would he restore? Why would he love past racial boundaries or even classes of his time? Why would he care about someone like me? Why would Jesus do? Why would he feed 5,000 with just a Lunchable? Come on. You ever thought about that? Yeah. Two fish, five loaves? Like, that's a Lunchable. Like, he's, he's doing his thing and performing miracles with anything. And right after feeding 5,000, he shares his why. You can actually look at it in Scripture, and it comes out of verse 38. It says, For I have come down from heaven to do the will of God who sent me, not to do my own will. Aren't you all glad that Jesus is clear? Like, he's not beating around the bush. He's not somebody that's going to be like, I hope you guess it. I hope you figure this out. Figure it out on your own. But he makes it very clear the why for him so that we can establish our why. And he even uh, explains it further in verse 39. He says this, and this is the will of God. So you understand that why I do is the will of God, but what's the will? It's that I should not lose even one of those who he has given me, but that I should raise them up at the last day. For it is my Father's will that all who see his Son, that all who experience Jesus, would believe in him and should have eternal life. I will raise them up on the last day. What Jesus did was fueled by this why. That it doesn't matter when people like me or they don't like me. It doesn't matter if I'm in a great season or a hard season. My why is that my Father's will is to seek and save the lost. So bring on whatever you got. I got a firm why. And I believe that we should have a firm why as well. But you might say this, JT, he's Jesus. You ever listen to somebody like talk about Jesus and you're like, well, yeah, he's Jesus. That's what he does. I'm not Jesus. What about the church? How are we supposed to navigate this? It must have been real easy for the disciples, right? Like, just daily life navigating. I know we got a couple fishermen in here. Look, if there's a good fishing spot in the middle of the lake, Jesus is just like, bro, let's walk. You know, like, the man's walking to the spot. You don't need a boat or nothing. You guys follow him. Or if you're, like, hungry, all of a sudden he's like, hey, I got food you don't even know about. Boom, buffet, feeding 5,000, feeding 4,000, feeding all these different kinds of people. It must have been easy for disciples. It might be a little harder for the church, we might think. And I'm here to remind you just as a sub-point that we actually have been giving an advocate called the Holy Spirit. He is also our helper in times of need. And I got a whole lot to say about him, but we don't have enough time to go there today. So you need to stick out in this church till 2024 because we're getting a new Holy Spirit series. And y'all don't want to miss that. It's going to be an amazing series. So get ready for it. But Jesus didn't leave us alone. But you may be asking this question number two, WWWD. Get that on a bracelet. <laughs> Why would we do? Why would we do? Why would we come to church? Why would we invite our friends to church? The church is messed up. The church is full of hypocrites. The church is broken. Can, can, I, can I love on you for a second this morning? Can I help you understand? Don't ever let the minority become the majority. And don't let the majority become the minority. Because can I tell you, the majority of church is winning. The majority of church is seeing people come to freedom. The majority of church is giving people purpose outside of anything else the world has to offer. But often we can take, there are, I'm not saying there aren't problems, there are, but let's keep the minority the minority and the majority the majority. Let's believe that God is still building his house and coming back for a beautiful bride. Let's believe that he's building his kingdom up and it doesn't matter, not even hell's gates will prevail against this kingdom. So I don't know what you've heard about church, but church is winning. We're loving, church is moving forward because of Jesus 
Christ. I love how this guy said it. He's an author and graduate of Portland Bible College. His name's Nathan Finocchio. He said this, the church on its worst day is better than anything the world has to offer. The church on its worst day is better than anything the world has to offer. And I wholeheartedly believe that, that we are a church that is moving forward. And in moving forward, we need to understand this idea that sometimes in church, hypocrites and healed can look the same. Hypocrites and healed can look the same. Can I explain this to you? Some people are looking at a guy who is cussing every other day as a hypocrite when he's looking at himself as healed because he used to cuss every single day last year. Come on, I know there's somebody addicted in this room who's saying, I don't know if I can get out of this addiction, but God has brought you so far already, and you're sitting there saying, I'm healed. Some might think it's hypocritical. I'm thinking it's healing. Come on, like, let's be a church that sees the best in people. Let's believe that God's healing. Let's believe that they don't have to be hypocritical, but they can be part of the process. They can go on a journey with Christ. Now hear me. That is not an excuse for you to stay hypocritical. That is not you to be like, Pastor, I'm just, I keep cussing at her because she's wrong all the time. I mean, it's been 10 years. Like, I'm not, I'm not saying that's what God is calling you to. God calls you to a journey where he takes you as you are, but he doesn't leave you there. Right? So he's going to bring you on this journey. And here's how I would say you can, you can differentiate between the two. Healed people will find themselves at the feet of Christ. Hypocritical people will find themselves at the feet of culture. That they'll go back to culture to get their identity. They'll go back to culture to get their worth. I'm not saying you won't mess up and stumble into culture, but where are you repetitively trying to go back to? Where you realize, God, I messed up again. I got angry again. I, I fell into the addiction again. I lost my purpose again. But I'm believing at your feet that your grace is sufficient, that you'll pick me back up, that you'll put me on solid ground. This is who I believe we can be. This is who I believe the church is. It's not an excuse to be hypocritical, but it is a chance to be healed. It is a chance to be healed. And I, I want to give some practical reasons why we're the church as well. And I shared what earlier with this slide of the different students and things going on in our church. What I shared was that we went from 66 to 89. Why does that matter? Because if even one kid accepts Jesus Christ and changes the spiritual bondage that has been on the generations of their family. Like, come on, somebody. I, I need you to understand what is awesome. But when you know why, I love what a whole lot more. I love our kids' ministry that's helping with temper tantrums and the boogers and the snot and all the things because they know the why. Because they're believing that things are breaking, that there's a firm fact that there's seeds being planted. Why does it matter that we have 70 students every single Wednesday on an average this year? Because we need people rising up to believe Jesus that he can infect a school, that he can infect a family, that he can change these dynamics that we may be struggling with because students are taking charge of their own faith. Why do I share 54 baptisms? Well, I'll tell you, it's what is an awesome number. Why? It's because some people have said, I've had enough of what the world has to offer, and I'm going to symbolically lay my life down with Jesus and crucify what was sin and rise up in a new creation. That's why we get baptized, because we're showing everybody, I got the Jesus jersey. I'm wearing the Jesus jersey. I know we can represent football teams. Baptism is simply saying, I'm going to represent my God and what he's done in my life. There is no better time to get baptized, and if you still want to, you can. Why do I mention things like November 1st? I told you what was going to happen, but why? 
Because I can personally tell you from experience that I have had moments with God in the middle of a worship set that have carried me through a hard season, that have lifted a weight that I thought no one else could lift, that these are the whys of what we do. And here's the why that Jesus says pretty plainly on the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, 14. You are a light of the world, a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. So what does that look like in real time? I'm gonna talk about this because I think we've all felt this before, this idea of the weight of the world. I'll be the weight of the world. Yes, this weight of the world is trying to work on his weight, but nonetheless, I'm gonna be the weight today. That's kind of funny, y'all, you can laugh. But <laughs> this is what happens, right? One of us feels the weight. Oh gosh, uh-oh. Uh-oh, here we go. Stomp it, right? Just the weight, the weight's heavy, that's right. The weight is heavy. But that happens with the weight of the world on one person's shoulders. What, what if I told you, you said, you know what, for the rest of the year, JT, I'm going I'm to start coming to Sunday. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to agree with the pastor. I'm going to believe. I'm going to get into a small group. I'm going to go into growth track. I'm going to get baptized. I'm going to start building my community up. I'm going to attend church even when it hurts, even when I'm feeling like, God, you've left me. God has not left you. But sometimes it does feel that way. I agree. And all of a sudden, the weight of the world, I'm going to trust the church here, starts to carry you. Come on, I need some of y'all to understand, and you need to be encouraged. Listen, some of y'all are dealing with the loss of a husband. Some of y'all are dealing with an addiction. Some of y'all are going through things that you can't stand on your own. But that's why we're the church. That's why we are who we say we are, because we believe that God is going to use us better together than we are apart. That is why would we. Because this is what we're about. We're about caring for each other. We're about being there for y'all. We're about carrying burdens together and success, right? We want to see God's kingdom move in our life. So like I said earlier, Matthew 5, 14, about the city on a hill, you might say, this is how I would ask us to respond for this year. And yes, we're open to feedback and we always want to hear things. But I would say this, what? You're doing trunk or treat? Why? Because we're a city on a hill. Because we're a light. And that's okay for some people to ask what. Maybe they didn't know that why we do it is at the end of every row, we actually give out cards to everyone to invite them to church. Because if one son looks at this building and says, Mommy, that light, that, that lift church building, that sign looks amazing. We should go to the kids' ministry. And we got to see somebody come and give their life to Christ because one kid got excited about candy and a light. So be it. Why? We're a light. We're a city on a hill. You might say, what, you're letting them come to church? You didn't see them smoking out front. You didn't see what they did. You didn't see their Facebook post. Why are you letting them in? Because we're a light. Because we believe in restoration. Because we're a city on a hill. What? You want me to forgive them? You don't even know what they did to me. I, they're, they're unforgivable for the things that you, they did. And yes, I know forgiveness is a process, but if you ask for my why, because we're a light. Because we're a city on a hill, because we love people well. And remember, that's why we're better together. We're not leaving you alone in hard struggles. We're not asking you, hey, go figure it out yourself. No, 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 we're the church. We're building God's kingdom. And this is what I love. I don't know if you've seen this or not, but it's a quote that, I, that sticks with me daily. The church is God's plan A, and there is no plan B. The church is God's plan A, and there is no plan B. We are his plan for redemption in our city, in our state, in our nation. And number three, as I conclude, is WM, why me? Y'all might be thinking that. 
JT, I'm more hypocritical than I am healed, and I know I got more junk than you would even know. I haven't even told anybody about some of the stuff I'm struggling with. Why me? And from this uh, series we've been doing called The Chosen, there's a clip where one of the disciples asked the same exact thing about something that was given to him. He said, why me? I don't deserve this. I'm unworthy of this. And I don't know if you felt that way today, but I want you to watch this clip together as we kind of conclude and realize that there is more to the story than simply why me. So go ahead and turn your attention to the screen and check out this clip. Though I take no pleasure in doing this, I have no choice but to place you under arrest. I understand. Thank you. May I gift you? Gift? A gratuity for your wonderful service and kindness in listening to me go on. It is not customary. In truth, these are the most valuable things I own. An asset? More valuable than gold, more precious than rubies. I may be able to help you liquidate it. We could work together. A ledger coming up this short on a balance this big reflects very poorly on my performance. These are one of a kind. They date back to the first exile. Made from the world's most exquisite tequila. But there must be a buyer for it. If the amount settles the debt, you will be spared. I encourage you to consider keeping them for yourself, my son. Please, we are not relatives. Don't use that word. No. I have made up my mind. I want you to have them. You chose this occupation. I know you have no use for these now. But someday, you might need is very unlikely. I will put these on the market and see what we can do. But you know the true value of these. No man will be able to meet their price. Shabbat Shalom, young man. than gold more precious than rubies he said i kept them to respect the genius of that man i also kept them as a reminder of the sins against my people why i i want to understand things mary especially inscrutable things that unsettle me this was the most mysterious of them all. I have so many regrets. If I were to get those tassels praised and sold, I would only incur more regret, and I couldn't bear it. It wasn't about the tassels. They're just a symbol. That man wanted you to have his faith. 
that was the last thing he had, his most valuable thing in the world. And you have it. That man wanted you to be Jewish again, and you are. It was his dying wish. Why would he want that for someone like me? Because sometimes God sends a dove. A dove? I never told anyone this before, but the day I met Jesus was the same day I was ready to end my life. What? I was going to leap from a great height when a dove caught my eye. I couldn't resist following it. And it led me to the place where I met Jesus. That old man was your dove. <laughs> Our lives have often been painful, yes? So we think life is full of scarcity and not abundance. But then there are those times when out of nowhere, somehow the world expresses its longing to be whole. And suddenly God steps in. And we are pulled out of our blindness. We are invited into redemption. I know I was. So maybe you felt the same way. Why, why would Jesus want something like salvation for me? Why, why would he want me to be a part of his church? Why would he need me to build his church? Why would he need me to play a part of this? And can I set you free from something? Just when, I, when I heard this, it changed my life. He doesn't need you, but he wants you. Come on, when you, when you realize what that means, that he doesn't need you to build his church, he is good at building his church, but he wants you. He knows your brokenness. He knows the parts of you that you feel unsettled. Matthew said, I've had so many regrets. I've had so many struggles. But here I am to, I, I hope to explain to you today that God's not done. 
And God's still building his church, which, still, which means this, God's still building you. God is still building you up because you are his church. He does not need you, but oh my gosh, does he want you. Does he want you? I love what um, this guy Simon Sinek says. He says, it's in a book called Start With Why. He says, great leaders are willing to sacrifice their own interests for the good of the group. He's just ripping a page out of the Bible, I believe, where it's simply this, that the reality is uh, there is a great leader. His name's Jesus Christ, and he was willing to sacrifice his life for you. That he was willing to put it all up just so that you could have a relationship with God, that you could be reconnected. And I know a lot of us in the room might think, JT, I'm just not worth it. I just, uh, that's not worth it. What I've had to tell myself is that I cannot determine my own worth. I need someone else to, uh, uh, I need someone else to value me. And whatever they value me as, that will determine my worth. So then begs the question, what does Christ value me as? And he says, worthy of giving it all, even his own life. What does God value me as? Worthy of giving his one and only son that I may have a relationship with him in life and life to the full eternal life, actually. So what's your worth? He says his own life. He would give his life for you. He doesn't need you, but he wants you. And I might not be able to tell you why you, because I'm still learning every single day, God, why me? Why would you pick me? Why would you pick me? I, I don't have all the answers, but what I know is that he wants me. And I'm going to keep coming back because I believe that my why at the end of the day is found in Colossians 3.23. Work willingly at whatever you do as though you are working for the Lord rather than for people. Why do I stand up here and give a message? At the end of the day, I really do hope you get something out of it but I'm doing it knowing that I'm making my father proud. That my spiritual, that God in heaven is looking down and saying, thank you, JT, for using your gift. You might not have gotten everything right, but that's okay, because you know what, he loves me. Why do I love my sister? Why do I join the dream team? Why do I stick it out with youth ministry? You could ask all these different questions. At the end of the day, it just boils down to this why, that everything I do is to worship the Lord, because he has given everything for me, everything. I mean, some of us forget that he wasn't just beaten beyond knowing him as Jesus. He was beaten beyond knowing him as human. There's two different levels of severity to that. That he was beaten and bruised so that we could be free. And here I, I want to give you an opportunity not just to do a, a what, but to establish a why found in Jesus Christ. So if everyone would bow their heads and close their eyes, here's what I want to ask you. If you have never given your life to Christ or you feel like it's time to just re-enter re in relationship with him, that you're saying, I'm going to commit my life to Jesus Christ to be my Lord and my Savior. What I'm going to ask you to do is to raise your hand on the count of three, but why is because you truly believe that Jesus is your Savior, that you truly believe that you are going to move and build the church, and it's all through his spirit that we will do so, but it starts right here. It starts with saying, yes, Lord, I believe and confess that you are my Lord and Savior. And all I'm going to do is count to three. One, this is the good decision. This is something you can build a life on. This is a why that is rooted. Two, I, I, I hope that you give Jesus a chance. Three, if that's you, can I just see your hand in the air so we know who we're praying for? Yeah, I see your hand. I see your hand. Hand's still coming up. Yeah. I feel like Jesus he just wants me to wait on one more. Somebody that's struggling saying you're not worthy, I want to tell you, you are worthy. Yeah. Yep. I see your hand. We're going to be a church that prays together. 
So if everyone would repeat after me by just saying this, Dear God, thank you for your son who died for my sins so I didn't have to. I choose you as Lord and Savior of my life. Guide me, direct me, and comfort me. And it's in the matchless name of Jesus we pray all of this and it can happen. Amen and amen. Come on, can we celebrate what Jesus is doing with his church, building up his church? Come on, let's celebrate with us.